I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. Acts chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. It's always a pleasure to have David and Paula Tarbert come to, to visit with us. They're very special to us in the work that they do in New Milford, Connecticut. Uh, we've supported them down through the years, and they come each year and are able to share the work with us. Lowell's ready for David to bring his lesson, so we're, without further ado, we're looking forward to what David has to say to us this morning. As I um, look out over this audience today, I see lots of scouts. So this must be Scout Sunday, I guess it is. I think you have more scouts and people connected with the scouts here than any church I've been in for a long time. That's good to see all these young people and adults involved in such a good activity. You know, uh, this is such a good church. It's so encouraging to uh, be with you. You have have uh, supported the work that we do in Connecticut for a number of years. And you've always uh, welcomed us when we've had the opportunity to be among you. And it's just a, a privilege and a joy to be able to worship, to sing, pray, and to share with you in the fellowship of Christians this morning. Uh, you're one of the greatest churches around, and I, I hope that you realize the blessings that God has brought into your lives, because this is a great church. This morning, I want to share with you some thoughts about uh, the mission work in which we are engaged, and the text that was read to us today uh, tells us that when Paul and Barnabas returned from the first missionary journey, they gathered the church together at Antioch, and it was a wonderful occasion. People were excited about that because the missionaries had come home, and they were reporting to the congregation what the Lord had done with them on that first missionary journey. We never waste our time when we have an opportunity to see what the Lord is doing. And so today I want to share with you some things of what the Lord is doing in the northeastern United States and particularly in New Milford where we live and serve the Lord. Thank you for setting all of these, getting all of these uh, electronic things together for me to use today. <clears throat> the church in New Milford, Connecticut, for those of you that may not know, is on the western side of the state of Connecticut. And uh, we are at the foothills of the Berkshire Mountains, and we are in proximity to some other important 
cities and uh, towns. For one thing, we're about 14 miles away from Danbury, Connecticut, where I served as the pulpit preacher for 23 years. And then we're about 50 miles west of Hartford and about 69 miles south of Pittsfield, Massachusetts, about 150 miles west of Boston and about 77 miles north and east of New York City. Two of these towns, I want to share some more thoughts with you about them a little bit later in our presentation today about what the Lord is doing. I'll be talking with you about Danbury, Connecticut, and about Pittsfield, Massachusetts. The population of New Milford is about 28,000. It is in an import, in an important county, Litchfield County, which has about 190,000 people. But there's only one congregation of the Lord's Church in the entire county. So you can see that that's a big contrast with the work that is being done and has been done in the state of Texas. But these challenges that come from preaching in the mission field, teaching in the mission field, are worth all the sacrifices that people might go to to be able to do that. Tim, our son preaches for the congregation in New Milford, and he is now in his 13th year of ministry with that church. When he went there, he told the brethren that uh, he thinks it's important for preachers to stay a while. And uh, in order for the church to stabilize and to grow, and there were a number of members who thought to themselves, well, we weren't sure we wanted you to come here in the first place, and we're not we're sure not ready to commit to a number of years. They were thinking in terms of maybe one year or two years, and then they'd have a new preacher. Tim's been there now 13 years. And the church is stable. And one of the reasons why so many churches are unstable, and particularly in the Northeast, is because they don't keep their preachers. They stay one year or two years, and then they... They go back to Tennessee or Alabama or Texas, and the work is left without a preacher, and that's a, that's a horrendous ordeal to try to find a replacement. So we're thankful for the work that Tim is doing. His wife, Renee, is also in this picture, and Paul and I do a lot of things besides the things that they do. And among them is planting new churches and uh, also following up on visitors and some other things that I'll tell you about in this presentation. This last year, these are the statistics. We had nine faithful members of the church that moved away. We had four that fell away. We have three that are now serving in the military or attending college out of state, and one who died. But we had three to be baptized. So we had actually not a great gain from those statistics. But we have other years where the numbers are different. 
We're thankful for those who've been brought to the Lord this past year. This family, Kevin and Amber Buggy and their daughter Olivia, who is seven, moved into Connecticut from Iowa. They had grown up without any religion, and they were raising Olivia without any religion. Well, there may have been a few occasions when the father had gone with his parents to the Catholic Church, but they were few and far between. He is a scientist. He works in a company that experiments with medications using white mice. And he has a very responsible job there. And when he had an opportunity to come to church because of an invitation that a member of the church extended to this family, he liked what he heard and saw, believed in God already. And we studied together, and after a number of weeks, Kevin and his wife, Amber, obeyed the gospel. And now they're raising Olivia to grow up to be a Christian. Another person that was baptized last year is one of our older teenagers. He is a member of a family that's very important in our congregation. His father is one of our song leaders, and he's also a state trooper for New York State. He's one of the three policemen we have in the congregation who carry what they need to carry in order to protect the rest of us. But this young man, Van, obeyed the gospel in his 16th or 17th year, and he is going to be a faithful Christian person as he continues his maturing and finally marries. He will carry on the Lord's work. So we're thankful for them. One of the things that you enable us to do is to print and mail Christ for Today. Last year, we mailed out four different issues because we had a little shortage in our funding and didn't have enough to print a total of six, as we might usually print. But people have been visiting the services as a result of getting this at their home in New Milford, Connecticut, as well as other places. And some have obeyed the gospel and been baptized in Vermont as a result of reading first Christ for Today. I want to commend you for what you're doing because it's making a difference not only where we are, but throughout all the New England states as every issue of 30,000 copies is distributed throughout the six states in the Northeast. In 2019, I continued to preach in area congregations on subjects that I consider to be very important, such as following the pattern of Scripture in worship. This morning in our Bible class, we read a verse where Paul speaks about it is safe for the brethren to hear the things they've heard before. Now the reality is that in so many congregations in the Bible Belt, 
It has been two generations since the preachers have preached on respect for the specific authority of God. And the role that that idea carries as we do what the Bible teaches in its patterns of worship and so on, and do not add to it or change it. When God tells us what he wants, we should do what he says without adding or taking away from it. And that's why we practice baptism by immersion. Not because sprinkling is ever condemned in Scripture, because it isn't. But because it's not authorized in Scripture. And God has been specific about what baptism is. Immersion. For the same reason... We have the Lord's Supper with fruit of the vine and unleavened bread. Not because some other food is condemned in Scripture, because it isn't. And if we could just do things because they're not condemned, there's a lot of different kinds of foods we might choose to have for communion. And I heard about one church that decided they would dispense with all food altogether And just pass flowers from one person to the next. And the reason we don't do that is because God has told us what he wants us to do. And we do it without subtracting or adding to his word. And for the same reason our music is vocal music. A cappella. It's singing. Not because the Bible ever condemns instrumental music in worship, because it doesn't. But it's not authorized by Scripture. And the same door that would bring that in can bring in any number, multiple numbers of things that are different from what God has already told us he wants, but he hasn't condemned. And so this principle is important and we need to be teaching on it because the, the, the time is well overdue that people growing up in the church don't understand the importance of this principle, respect for the specific commands of God. I decided a few years ago That whenever I had an opportunity, I would preach on that subject wherever I got a chance to preach in New England. And we've had times when people got up and walked out because they didn't want to hear it. But those who were willing to listen appreciated understanding why and what we are doing in worship. And this past year, I had opportunity to deliver that lesson in Middletown, New York, and in Castleton, Vermont, and in Poughkeepsie, New York. And the preachers have told me that the members of the church, if they ever had a question or a doubt that we were doing what the Bible teaches, the lesson answered their doubts and questions. And the brethren are firmer in the faith for which we're thankful. 
In the churches in the Northeast, there are always people who are listening and ready to learn. And I'd like to ask you this year, if you would remember in prayer, some people that we are currently working with to bring to the Lord. If you want to write them down and add them to your prayer list, that would be great. Your prayers can make a difference. Ken and Donna, for example, are visiting our services almost on a weekly basis. They are not members of the church. Donna is a Catholic and Ken is, he doesn't know what he is. But they're beginning to study now. And Paul and I have already begun the studies and we'll pick up where we left off when we return in just about a month. I'd like to ask you also to pray for Kevin and Julie. Kevin and Julie were baptized in the Christian church, and as far as I can tell, their baptism is just like what the Bible teaches. But they are just now beginning to learn the difference between that group and what the Bible teaches on worship. And they're visiting our services, and they need to make a break and to take their stand with the church in New Milford. So pray for them if you would. Gertie is the mother of Kevin, and she is a Presbyterian, and she loves coming to the Lord's Church in New Milford. Marjorie is a member of another Protestant group, and she moved into the area and couldn't find a church like the one she had been a member of elsewhere that was welcoming and friendly. And if you ever wondered whether or not being welcoming and friendly makes a difference, let me assure you it does. So she decided, I'm going to look elsewhere. So she's been visiting our services now for quite a while. Joe and Crystal were on our list last year, I think. They decided to back off and cool down a little bit on their interests. But their daughter, Shirley, kept saying to them, I want to go to Bible class. So they decided they would start back. And now, even though this couple doesn't really have any religious connections, they are learning again. Pray for them that they'll learn what God wants them to do and bring up their little daughter, Shirley, to be a Christian. And also Joe and Lauren were baptized in the Christian church. And they are coming and they are learning the difference between where they were before and the New Milford congregation. Pray for them that they'll make the break they need to make and take their stand for the Lord and the truth of Scripture with us. If you would pray for those folks, you don't have to be a missionary. If you'll just pray, God can work, and he will. And now I'd like to tell you about two exciting things that are on the horizon. The time has come for us to begin two new congregations. One of these congregations is in Danbury, the city where we used to live, and I worked with the church there. Immigrants from Ecuador are settling in Danbury, Connecticut, and the spillover into New York State. 
And there is the greatest collection and concentration of Ecuadorians in that area than anywhere else in the entire United States. As far as I can tell, there is no congregation that has any plans to do anything to reach the people of that culture. So we are going to start a congregation. And we've already located a preacher who is an Ecuadorian, who knows the culture and understands the Spanish language as it is spoken by the Ecuadorians. And he and his wife, who is already, we found out just last night, expecting in her second month, are moving from Brazil, where he teaches in the preacher training school, to Danbury, Connecticut, to help get this church started. If God works out all the finances and the support that's needed. And we are excited about that. The elders who live and worship in Danbury have decided that they will allow this new group to meet in their church building. And so Folks by the thousands who have come to America for a new start will be able to start a new spiritual life. And they will meet for worship in the church building that where the English brethren speak and have worshipped for many years. This is an Ecuadorian rally around the town hall in Danbury, Connecticut, and the fellow that's standing at the flagpole looking up is the mayor of the city. I baptized his father when he was serving as the mayor of the city a number of years ago. Now he's passed on to his reward. But his son is the mayor, and I'm hoping that he will be able to work with us and we can work with him to get this congregation started. Along the main street of Danbury, Connecticut, there are now 36 Spanish-speaking churches of one kind or another, all renting storefronts. This will be the only congregation of the Lord's Church where Spanish is spoken anywhere in the county. Three Ecuadorians have recently obeyed the gospel, and here is their baptism as it occur, as they were baptized. And here is the man that we are bringing from Central America. His name is Chris, Christian, Christian uh, Serviano, and his references first from David McKinney, who is an American missionary at the School of Preaching in Brazil, where Christian now is teaching, has written, Christian Serviano loves the Lord with all of his heart. He has a passion for ministry. He has leadership abilities and keeps his spiritual priorities straight. He is fluent in Spanish, English, and Portuguese. Christian leads a weekly home Bible study and is involved in personal evangelism. Pamela, his wife, is a dedicated Christian and currently the secretary of the AME 
school, the program that trains preachers. If God calls Christian to serve him elsewhere, somewhere else, he will have my blessing, said David McKinney. And another of the brothers, this one is the director of the school of preaching, has said this about Christian. During his time as a student at AME, Christian was a dedicated servant of God. He was a leader of his missionary team to Bolivia. And now, besides working with the church in several different ways, Christian is one of our AME teachers. He is a man I admire, an example of faith to me. Christian is a great servant, and if you provide financial support for him, you will have a great couple working by your side. Christian and his wife, Pamela, will bring great fruit. I strongly recommend him to you. This is a picture of the church building in Danbury where the new congregation will be able to worship. And, and this is the interior, the auditorium, and downstairs in the fellowship hall. And what we need to make all of this happen is the salary for the preacher. And if we can find a congregation that will sponsor this work, on a monthly basis with financial commitments and help to oversee and make sure that things stay on the right track, uh, we would like to find that church. And right now I'm searching for a church that will take over that sponsorship, but I'm also searching for individuals and churches that will help support his work. The second congregation that we're going to be starting is two hours north of Danbury, Connecticut, and this one is in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Pittsfield is located in the most western county of the state of Massachusetts. It is the county seat, and there's about 43, 45,000 people that live in Pittsfield, and over 130,000 that live in the surrounding areas in this county. Berkshire County is the home of a man that you have heard about. His name was Norman Rockwell. And his museum, with all of his beautiful paintings, is in this county. This is the home of the winter home of the Boston, the summer home of the Boston Pops and the Boston Symphony. And people come from all over to hear these people play and perform. So a number of tourists come to Pittsfield. Last year, an elder and his wife of one of the churches in Texas decided that they would take a vacation through Massachusetts. And they came, they came to Pittsfield hoping to find the Lord's Church. And when they looked on the web page of the church that's listed as the Pittsfield Church of Christ, it said, we use instrumental music from time to time. So they decided that they would go to the nearest congregation that was faithful, and they had to drive an extra hour to get there. So the day is now here when we need to go back into Pittsfield and replant the Lord's church as it is described in the New Testament. We are prepared to start from scratch 
But the Lord has made it possible for us to find a couple who have recently moved in from Florida and who are working with General Dynamics and who will become members of this new congregation. These are some quick shots of the of the town and some of the structures around the town. And Pittsfield is about 69 miles to Danbury, 79 miles to Hartford, 130 to Boston, and 150 to New York City. And when this church is planted, it will be the only congregation of the New Testament church, the only faithful congregation in the entirety of western Massachusetts. And that includes not only this county, but in the adjacent counties as well. Can you imagine that in an area so large and a population so significant that there is not a single congregation of the Lord's church that is faithful? So it will be planted. We are looking for a preacher to take on this challenge And we're also looking for a place where the church can start meeting. The religious composition of this area is that almost 50% of the people have no ties at all to any organized religion. It doesn't mean they're all atheists or agnostics, although there's lots of them. But it just simply means that they have no interest in organized religion. That organized religion doesn't meet their needs. But many of those people are not satisfied with that. And they are willing to consider what is being offered. The Catholic Church is falling apart. People in this area, like so many other areas of the Northeast, are disgusted with the behavior and the immorality of their priests. They are falling out of the Catholic Church. Churches are being closed. Schools are being closed. Convents are being closed. And the people who were Catholics now are looking for someone to teach them what the Bible says. This is an open door for cults. And Jehovah's Witnesses, who have a strong and dogmatic message, are scooping up these people And they are joining the Jehovah's Witnesses in great numbers. The same could be said for some other groups like the Pentecostals are growing, the Mormons are growing. And when the Lord's Church begins again in Pittsville, Massachusetts, it will grow. If other religious groups can grow, the Lord's Church can grow. In this area, there's a cross-section of all economic levels, from the poorest to the richest. And many, many who are middle-class people, and those are the folks that we want to reach with the gospel. So that the next time I see you, we'll be able to say, faithful churches of Christ in western Massachusetts won. This young couple has recently come from Florida. Their name is Nick and Sonia Purvis. They're very very dedicated, strong Christians. He's a song leader, Bible class teacher. Sonia is a soul winner 
when we were going around with them, talking with the realtor about places the church could meet, I thought she was going to convert the realtor before we got back to the office. This is the kind of people we need, and we're blessed to have them. What we are needing now is support for the preacher. We need a place where the church can meet. We need a church that's willing to sponsor it, and not on this list, but it ought to be as number one. We need a preacher. If you know of someone who is faithful in the truth and willing to be a soul winner, would you tell him about this opportunity? It's a wonderful opportunity to really make a difference in the kingdom of God. Now, most of the congregations that I'm going to in this area of the country, I'm asking them to contribute 5000 toward this project. And many of them, I think, are going to do that. But I'm also looking for a congregation that will contribute on a monthly basis for the support of the preacher. This congregation is already doing its share. It's already supporting good works that need to be done in Connecticut in the Northeast. And I'm not going to ask the elders of this church to do more. But it might be that some of you as individuals would like to have a part in this. And so if you would like to do that, maybe all of this together could come to the 5,000 that I'm asking other churches to contribute. And I want to thank you for all of your prayers and your financial generosity and your encouragement that you have given through the years. And God will continue to use us for his glory as long as he sees fit. This morning, as we end our thoughts together, we want to extend the invitation. If there is someone here who would like to become a Christian by faith and repentance and baptism then this is a great time for you to do that. If you need to recommit your life to the Lord, this is a great time to do that. And if you would like to place your membership with a good church, you found one, and you can do that as well. Shall we stand together and sing? Still at the cross.